0: You arrive via train from Paris, 72 hours removed from London, two weeks removed from LA, and two months removed from your girlfriend. You sleep sporadically on the train from Paris to Brussels, too tired to drink from having drank too much to sleep. On the train to Bruges, you begin glancing at your guidebook, trying to figure out where you will go, what you will do, and why exactly you are here. A girl, whose backpack has a maple leaf sewn to it, will tell you to check out some World War I battle sites. She is standing in the aisle, reaching up to the bin above her seat, and stuffing books and papers into her pack. She says World War II memorials get all the crowds, and somebody really should honor the original. If you don't have the first, she says, her backpack sliding from the rack and onto one shoulder, you never get the sequel. You argue this point with her. The old World War II is just a continuation of World War I theory you heard in college too. When she starts out reasoning you without even having to sit down or drop her pack to do it, You tell her you don't think she's really Canadian, just some grad student from Syracuse who thinks socialism works but wouldn't dare say it around the dinner table back home. Deep down, you know she really is Canadian, but now that you're certain you don't have a chance with her because she is smarter and because you are American, you hit her with her worst fear, being mistaken for an American. City Center. Bruges is a little big city, and therefore full of contradictions. You can safely navigate its medieval streets and buy Belgian chocolate right from the source. In fact, from any dozens of sources. Every third store is a source, but no one gives free samples. At least not to a guy still wearing his backpack and walking from the train station to save on bus fare. You'll have that money marked for other attractions. Belgian beer, maybe a silk-crocheted knickknack, and perhaps a tour of one of those World War I battle sites you suddenly feel guilted into visiting. Despite everything you read in a guidebook, everything you hear from random Canadian girls, What you really want to do is see a windmill and eat a Belgian waffle. This is your secret. Your hidden, cliched, closeted secret. You're certain no one will understand such primordial motivation, so you're ready to tell anyone who asks that you're interested in Flemish history and culture, even though you would have spelled Flemish with a PH six months ago, before your ex-girlfriend gave you the guidebook. Before she was your ex-girlfriend. Back when the trip was for two, was only supposed to be a week, and only supposed to go as far as visiting a mutual friend studying at Oxford. Where to stay? Though you are 26, you choose a youth hostel on a nice, whitewashed street of uniform buildings neither old nor new. You make good time on the walk, only stopping once to admire a windmill made of chocolate. Then you walk away quickly before anyone notices such a thing could catch your eye. The guy at the reception desk says you just made it, that you got just about the last free bed they have. Your bed, it turns out, is actually a bottom bunk that sits amongst three other bunk beds, eight people in the room, six of them Scotsmen. And by Scotsmen, you also mean Scots women, four young men and two young women. The seventh person in the room, your brand new upper bunk mate, is the Canadian girl whom you think hates you. Delicate Men takes a hard look at men caught in that land between here and there, men on the move, men on the verge of what comes next. The writing is sure and the stories ring true with hard earned wisdom. Lee Martin, Pulitzer Prize finalist author of The Bright Forever.